0: Welcome to episode one of No Coaster Needed. I'm Jacob McCourt. This show is about casual conversations between people of different ages, backgrounds, and from different walks of life. My hope is that the show feels like two friends catching up at a pub with a drink. It's a pub so you don't need a coaster, get it? The entirety of the first season of the show is about people with ties to the Rose City, people with ties to Windsor, Ontario. And to start the show off, we traveled all the way to Toronto, to talk with Fod Karimian. He is a community capacity builder, youth leadership at the Young Street Mission. We recorded this episode in the employee kitchen of the Young Street Mission's Christian Community Center. Fodd has dedicated a lot of years to helping the youth. First, through an initiative that he started called the Odette High School Leadership Initiative. He now leads a similar program at the Young Street Mission called Our Voice Out Loud. On today's show, we walk through his upbringing, his move to the University of Windsor, starting the Odette High School Leadership Initiative, his job now, and all of the anecdotes in between. This is No Coaster Needed, intimate conversations with incredible people.
1: in Burlington, right? So funny story. Um, no, I was born in <laughs> Etobicoke. Um, I was like the military family without the military. And what I mean by that is we moved around a lot. So I was in Richmond Hill for the first three, four years. Then we moved to Toronto. Then we went to Mississauga. Then I ended up in high school in Burlington and I was there for majority of my, my older years. And then I went to Windsor.
0: Now, tell us what you were like in high school. You mentioned something earlier when I was watching you give a presentation in front of you, some of your kids. And I want to hear about some of the things that you went through when you were, when you were in high school.
1: Yeah. So high school was one of my toughest, toughest part of my life. Um, and, and I'm very, I'm very honest about it. it, it I was a type of guy who was very reserved. People used to bully me to the point where I just didn't feel that I had value to give others. Um, I would fail myself on presentations. I would always talk back to people because I always felt the need to stand up for myself because I just I, I was targeted a lot. Um there were moments where teachers put a lot of pressure on me and, and, and made me feel like I would never get to a certain point that other students would, which is to go to university. Um and like grade nine and ten, I was that kid in the room that would always make people laugh. Um, but never would pay attention in class. Um, But I was still the funny guy. Um, So I got a lot of respect from the students, but it just got to the point where I just didn't believe in myself as a person. And it made my high school very challenging.
0: So you kind of said it you were the class clown. Was there a point in your high school career where that changed?
1: Yeah. Um, Grade nine, I was in locally developed math, which is less than college for everyone listening. Um, I was told that I wasn't going to go to university Grade 9 and 10, I started de- I started developing a little bit more confidence in myself. Um, I was still rocky. Um, and what I mean by that is I was still on the fence of good kid versus bad kid, whatever you want to define good and bad. Um, then in grade 10, I ended up doing college courses. Then in grade 11, I still remember it. His name is Mr. Barbati. And uh, he sat me down. And he was a high school teacher of mine. He taught leadership. And he said to me, He said, I know you deal with a lot of challenges in your life, and I know it's not easy for you, but you have so much to offer. If you just believed in yourself more, you would be amazed at what you can accomplish. And when you hear stuff like that as a kid, you're just like, well, this is ridiculous. Like who, first of all, where did you read that? What cereal box did it come off of? And you're just like, what? But now as a man, as an adult, I'm just like, no, it was real. Because that day after he said that, my life changed.
0: Have you had a chance to thank him?
1: Absolutely. Actually, cool story about that. I started a program in Windsor and I got to take that program in Windsor back to my high school in Burlington and do it for his class and for my other teacher. And when I went back to my high school, it was hard because. I was walking through the halls, right? And I would see places where I would get bullied. But then I walked by his class and I, and I, and I saw him and he saw me and he, he comes outside. He's like, just from your smile, I knew it was you. And I came out and I was like, listen, I didn't tell you this at all then because I was a kid. But as, Now, I just want to thank you because you were a major reason for why i turned into the man that i turned into and i'm super grateful for it and i hope the classes that you continue to teach which he is you're able to give that message to them and support them the way you did me because there are a lot of kids that are like me and with social anxiety there are a lot of kids with no confidence they just need to hear it that they mean something and that power that, that you mean something will change your life. It might not be that moment you said it to them. It could be two years from now, but it will. It will impact.
0: Your first major was business. Absolutely. How long were you in business for?
1: <laughs> uh, good question. About a year and a half.
0: Okay, so just so so I understand the timeline, you were in business, then you went to social work, and then you went back to business.
1: <laughs> yep. Okay, that's exactly what happened.
0: How? What happened with with your change in majors, your change in change in heart?
1: My fifth year of high school was the hardest year for me. Um, at that time, my mom and dad got divorced after twenty five years. Um, I lost a few people in my life close to me then, um, and it just became real. Like life just became real. And up until the age of sixteen, everyone was like. <laughs> You're spoiled, you're spoiled, you're spoiled So I was like run, like get away Far from people and just grow up uh, And when I went to University And I went into Business first, like it wasn't Easy, I was I was Still, it felt like I was Back in grade 9 and 10 Is
0: that because you moved uh, A few hours away from home?
1: Yeah, Yeah, like that, like up until The age of 16, I was babied I never had to worry Someone took my worry away, whether it was my mom, whether it was my dad, someone took emotionally my pain away. So I didn't really feel pain. I felt falling off a bike. I felt not making a team, whatever. That's that's soft. But I'm saying I didn't feel real pain. And then when I went to university, oh, man, like I was like first day I remember the first day I got there. I'm calling my mom being like, so hold on the blue Febreze. Is that the thing that softens clothes or hold on, or do we use Tide Pods? Like, I don't mom, they're eating them now. Like, I don't. Is it even real like mom? Like uh, and it was don't eat the tide pods. No, absolutely not. Please whoever's listening that doesn't make sense. Our clothes are supposed to eat them. It was a challenge like but it was real. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back, I would do it again and again and again. Remember, you're being told your whole life you're not going to make it in university and you're now in you're now wearing I took off my pull-ups. I wore my briefs, went into my first class, walked in and sat down, like whoa. This is a big class. There's a lot of people. What do I do and i and I felt like I was sheltering myself, like I was going back to that grade nine fod and I got nervous mm-hmm. just because of everything that was happening then.
0: Was there something that helped pull you out from uh kind of that retreat into old habits? Was there a club, a class, a teacher that kind of helped you pull yourself out of that?
1: Yeah, like there oh, like so first year i I was in business. And right away I got involved in the business school. So what I went, I remember going to orientation and meeting people there. And um, when I went to orientation, I started hearing about different clubs and, and different activities and, and different experiments and like what like what we could do to really get engaged and meet new people because it was a new city for me. So when I went there, there was one. It was called at the time Sife. Uh, students in free enterprise now known as Enactus, formerly known as Ace. Um and yeah, they were just talking about they're like, yeah, sort of like paraphrasing here. Obviously the pitch was much better. But it was like, yeah, like we we did we do projects where we help entrepreneurship, environmental sustainability, uh, finance. And I'm just sitting there going like, oh my God, like you do all these type of projects, like like with others like and then you present on them like on a national stage like that's dope like I would love to be a part of that and then met with a president at the time and all these clubs have faculty advisors um yeah I would say there's about there's a good handful of people at that school that changed my life but uh one of the first people I met his name was Jim Marsh and that man (laughs) I remember it still when I first met that guy, this guy's in a power suit. I just went to Value Village and bought my first one.
0: He's a very successful businessman. Right? Absolutely.
1: Oh yeah, he 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 killed. He he did great. He did great for himself. He did great for the community. He did great for the city. Um, but for me, I like I said, I I came from that low income. Like I can't afford nothing, and I see this man coming in. And I'm looking at his suit. Don't get it wrong. I know what an expensive suit looks like. And after I met him that day he sat me down he's like "Fod, i think i think you're smart like you're you know a lot about business and you're young like you should totally be a part of this which is at the time safe and and see where it goes um and when i went when i did join that first time i joined i remember <laughs> the next day when he said to me suits is okay in certain environments. Um, however, you have to dress professionally and professional ones. I didn't know what the guy was talking about. I'm like, well, professionally to me is a track suit with a button up shirt. Like like that is what per, like I don't that's the way I was raised. You know what I mean? I was always in suits as a kid, but my mom put me in those. I didn't pick that. Yeah. Right?
0: I wear suits to church, I wear suits to funerals. I don't wear suits to school.
1: Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And we're kids, right? Like I still feel like at eighteen you're still a kid. Like that's to me, you're still a child. That like it there's so much to learn. mm mm-hmm. So I remember him looking across the desk and um, he says, S- you know, you need to get polished. You need to get polished. And I always wanted to know what that meant. You need to be polished. And it, at first you take it offensively. You're like, hold on. What are you trying to say? I'm I'm rusty? Like, what? But that's not what he's saying. He's saying you have so much potential. At the end of the day, there are people... Who are different than you but you're going to have to show them your worth because they're not going to come to you to see it right and after that day i remember he said that to me after that day i had like 50 bucks and i think i was supposed to buy a textbook from it um shout out to all my friends who were older than me that gave me textbooks because i didn't buy any but the 50 bucks that i had i went to value village swear to god went to value village and I spent 35 bucks as a first-year university student on my first uh, suit jacket as an adult. And then my pants were just off-colored pants that I got from home. Next day, I walked into Odette.
0: Odette's oh, the the business school in Winter, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, Odette School of Business. I walked into Odette. You would not believe how many people spoke to me. Just because you were wearing a suit? Just because I was wearing a suit. And people that wouldn't give me the time if I wasn't. You know what I mean? And... Like I said, you can sit there and be mad that they didn't. But the fact is now they are. So now show like now you can show your full potential and you're not showing it to them for the sake of showing it to them. You're proving to yourself that you're capable of doing something. Right. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, and after that, boom, just started getting involved. Just started being involved in different pieces and elements of SAIFE and, and other organizations. I was also a part of. So when I started off in SAIFE, I was a part of the finance team which is weird because i also don't like numbers um why is it that always oh, signed up for things i didn't like but it, it it showed me a lot um a lot of the people who were older on the team uh took me under their wing and, and taught me um and then after that i just kept moving around in the team and then eventually growing and growing and growing and growing until i found out what i loved um which was consulting work and mm-hmm. actually ended up doing consulting projects with professor marsh and and, and that's when I got to start leading a team of consultants and it just became so real. Like it was not from there, it just grew in different positions.
0: So you got super involved in Enactus. Mm. Uh, but I think one thing that I wanna specifically ask you about is how you started an initiative uh, while you were at the school. So you're in, you're in social work, you transfer out of social work back into business. Yeah, And so- you start <laughs> the Odette High School Leadership Initiative. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yes, so real quick before I go into that, when I went to social work, I sat there, same professor, Marsh. I said, sir, I'm going to social work. And um, I'm going to be very honest with you. I went into social work for one reason and one reason only. Um, I had a family member of mine who was sexually assaulted um, at the time. And uh, I just felt like I could do a lot more for other victims that I couldn't do for my family member growing up. So that's why I switched to social work. Because I didn't tell a lot of people that at the time because, like I said, I wasn't confident in myself to talk like that. Like, I couldn't put myself in vulnerable situations when people don't, like, when already I'm trying to prove myself, now I'm just like, yeah, I'm just that's what it was. Like, I, I switched only for that. I don't even I don't even remember what classes I took in social work, but I did great, but it was just that there was that passion side. And then <laughs> um, second year... Nearing the end of my second year, just did a couple semesters of social work. I sat down with Professor Marsh and he's like, listen, man. <laughs> he's like, you need to come back to business. Like, why did you leave? Like, we, like, we want you here. The dean wants you here. Like, hey.
0: You spent 95% of your time in that building.
1: I absolutely did. Like, I'm pretty sure I could have paid rent at, to Odette. Like, it was that ridiculous. Like, I was sleeping there. Like, there were days where the cleaners would walk in and be like, hold on you know, you can leave It's Saturday. Right. I'm like, no, no, I got to finish all my economics assignments on one day. I can't. Right. Like that's the, and that's, and, and yeah, like I invested my life there. Like, but before I went back into business and before I started this Ola initiative to me, one of my, one of the scariest things happened for me and I ended up collapsing in the business school. And, um, I remember, uh, actually you were there. Um, and they called, my friends called 911. Uh, ambulance came and picked me up. They diagnosed it at the time as a stress-induced heart attack. I didn't find out till lear, sorry, years later that it was a virus that was around my chest. But at the time, it was a stress-induced heart attack. was in a cardiac care unit for a week, and I met a man, and his name was, like, John or something like that. F- swear to God, this is in a CCU, which is cardiac care unit. 65-year-old man. I'm the only 20-year-old in this wing. John, my roommate, at night, he woke up. And he's like fod what like what are you doing in school and he said social work he he, he said he, like he ended up saying oh and i'm like oh why did you say oh like i'm now i'm interested and fascinated to no why you said oh when i said social work he's like because i'm a social worker and then come on swear to god wouldn't lie to you like i like it was weird like i I was first of all, I'm alone in a hospital bed at like 19. I'm like drugged up. I was on a heart monitor and things were going off and I get uncomfortable in hospitals. I tried to escape once, but then every nurse I had was the size of a mountain. And your parents
0: aren't there. No one was there. Your I was, siblings aren't no there. No one was there. I
1: was there. My the first night I was there alone, I had overwhelming support from a lot of friends and faculty from Odette and my peers from Windsor. But like at night I was by myself. Like I had no one there and um, they ended up calling my dad because I did try to run away <laughs> to tell him that, like, you need to get here quick. Like, this man can't handle it. Like, he can't be in there alone. Like, because to me, it was just, it was weird and different. I need to get back to the school. Yeah, like, I can't do this. Like, when all you do is 8 to 10, 8 to 10, 8 to 10, 8 to 10, and now all of a sudden, you're dead in the bed. Yeah, life sucks. Like... You do it because you love it, but you don't absolutely. realize what you're doing to yourself. Yeah, you're not, yeah. you're. But who does? Like, who sits there at 19... Show me someone who says this. If you can show me someone who says this, I swear to you, I'll give you half my salary right now. It's not that much for everyone. This thing is not that much. Um, but it's serious. Like, it's... it's. Show me a person who sits there and goes and says, oh, my God, I do so much. Like, it must really take a toll on me. Whew. <laughs> Listen, unless someone taught you what self-care was from the age of baby infant, there's no way you are. Mm-hmm. Because the whole the whole time when I was doing stuff, 8 to 10... I never said I'm tired. Yeah. I said I want to do more.
0: And you don't think about it. No. You don't take the time to think that, hey, maybe you're doing too much because you're doing too much.
1: Absolutely not. Like, what? I just told you that people thought I was useless. And now people are believing in me. So I'm hungry.
0: You're hungry. Yeah. You start OHLI.
1: Yeah. So I ended up after social work, after the man, John, when he said he was a social worker, he ended up saying, do not stay in social work. And I asked him why. And he said, because you can do a hell of a lot more with money for people than without it. That's what he said to me. Swear to God. I'm not quoting me. This is him. You can make money in any industry, I think. But I'm just saying, that's what the man said. He said he wasn't making enough money. He said, stay in business. Go make your money. Do something that you want to do that fits your passion and use that money for a good reason. Because in my line of work, you're going to deal with lots of trauma and not enough money. And it's going to eat you out of life. That's what the man said to me that next day I went back to the school of business and I went straight to professor Marsh's office. And I'm like, Hey, uh, is that offer still on the table? Cause I want to come back. I don't want it to impact my degree audit. You know, for everyone listening, that's the thing that tells you if you completed your courses, Mm -hmm. um,
0: (laughs) are you going to graduate?
1: Yes. or no? Uh, For me, he just kept saying no, but, (laughs) uh, but eventually we got there. Um, I think I just paid for mine by the way. I don't know if it actually mattered, but I don't tell anyone that. Um, but, in that moment i came back and now in my like third that's third year of business but really fourth year of university and um it hit me i was sitting down in my room and i had a one of my best friends uh from windsor his name is austin faulkner <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing because i'm just thinking about that moment of of where i'm about to share um he um i sat down with him and i said to him i'm like, yo." I have this crazy idea. Um, I love leadership. I love working with like, I like the mentorship idea, that concept of paying it forward and just being a mentor to a younger person is something that just, sorry, sorry. It was so important to me. And I said to him, like, this is my idea. I'm like, I want to do leadership through like, through some form of real life experience where we analyze a leader we teach youth how to network and be professionals these are all the things that i learned when i got there package it up in a one and teach these youth that you can be a 21st century leader one of the most important things you want to take away is we're trying to teach you to be less dependent and then more of an independent person and when i said that to austin the guy looked at me and you know We're sitting down, you know, uh, for all my Windsor folks out there. We had a pint of O.V. And um, he says to me, he's like, bro, that's possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm sitting there going like, well, you're in. I'm sorry. I don't know if we can swear, but you're I know I'm not going to swear. But I'm like, you're a jerk. Like, (laughs) wow. But at least you're real. A a real friend would say that, you know, (laughs) like you're a real jerk. You're a real jerk. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like. Wow, I just came up with this in my head, which was gold. Like, I thought I just got Bitcoin at, like, a really good rate. You're listening to No Coaster Needed. This
0: is a conversation with Fod Karimian. He is a community capacity builder at the Young Street Mission in Toronto. If you like what you've heard thus far, consider a five-star review on iTunes. It helps a lot. So Fahd worked on his pitch. He finally got a thumbs up from his friend Austin, so we decided to pitch the Odette High School Leadership Initiative to someone else,
1: and that's when I approached Martha Reilly, Doctor Martha Reilly, at the Odette School of Business, and one of—I will say this to you right now—one of the most influential women that I have ever learned and respected from in my life. Like, she sat me down, very professional, straight up said. What you, like, what, what are you doing here? So I gave her the pitch, told her what I wanted to do, and for the first time in my life, I heard something totally different than what I heard. She didn't say, you mm, should work on it, come back to me. With energy and with passion, she's like, Fod, you're beautiful. This is beautiful. I would love to work with you on this. And she just kept saying things like, like, you have a beautiful soul, and that's the type of person she was. Like, as much as she's a professional doctor and and has a doctorate in leadership, she just made you feel like you just like I just won the lottery. Like, I honestly wanted to go outside and be like, let's spend all my OSAP. I just won the lottery, right? But so fourteen dollars. We're spend the fourteen dollars, give or take. That was pretty much what was left after all the expenses, um, except textbooks. I'm just gonna be honest. I didn't get those. Um, <laughs> I did well without them. Um, but. She sat there and said, you're ridiculous. Like, that's not going to like, sorry. She sat there and said, she pulled her opposite of what others said. She didn't say you're ridiculous. She said, you got it. Like, let's build it together. Worked out some kinks. Fast forward a little bit. Now I guess sent to the boss man, the Dean, the Dean of the Odette school of business. And now I'm more nervous, (laughs) but it was great. Like I walked in there, told him about the idea and he's like, Hey, it fits. I, uh, I'm like, sir, um, can I get a budget? i remember at the time this was like i said it was a pilot project it, it wasn't we didn't even know what it was called it was just this Oli thing he's like i'm gonna give you like 250 bucks and i'm like oh we're going crazy we just got 250 dollars. that's a lot no seriously for me that would have been a lot like shoot i i'm pretty sure in a year i made a 250 once like it was that's a lot of money so i'm sitting down with the dean <laughs> with 250 and he's like go make me a budget and i'm like Sitting there going, like, well, this is gonna be the easiest budget that's ever gets done at Odette School of Business, right? And I'm like, what do I do with two fifty? Like, seriously, what do you do with two hundred and fifty bucks? Like, logistically, there's a lot you need, right? And I remember all we did with two hundred and fifty dollars, Jacob. All we did was get a bus for hundred and fifty bucks. A bus came and dropped these high school kids off at Odette and then dropped them off.
0: So it drops them off. Yeah. And OLI. Yeah, boom. OHLI is yeah. a case competition so within
1: class curriculum. Is that kind of how it works? So, what OLI became was OLI was we provide youth a safe environment where they can develop key leadership skills. Okay. Through analyzing real leadership cases that happen in society business cases business cases i mean they could have been they couldn't like obviously because we're a business school it was focused but you could have obviously done any type of case that's involving a leader and i I go like leadership is defined differently for everyone but to me a leader can be a mother it could be a, a ceo it could be a youth it could be an adult um but at the time we ended up creating this yeah case competition i'll call it it was a five-day program and what this five-day program encompassed was we brought high school students in from a certain school to odette we gave them that special odette welcome you know we had the we had the 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 gift bags and then and the pens and all the other swag stuff that everything everyone would get that i would never use but we would give it to them um they loved it. Like they got that first glimpse of, Oh my gosh, a university. Like this is real. Like I'm g- I could be coming here next year.
0: Whatever small to us, you know, is big. some
1: of these kids may never have seen any of this. Exactly. Like, even for me, like you would have given me a pen when I was their age, I would have been like, yo, you just gave me $3 million. Like that's big. I could sell that pen for 20 bucks on the street. Like, because like that stuff to me was important. And now, like now as an adult, when I do that stuff, I'm like, Oh my God, like I didn't realize how small things are so important to people. Cause like I said, it goes back to if you were raised being noticed or not noticed, little things matter more than the big things. So you start off with Monday to come in, welcome to Odette, get that love from Odette, get see some professors, meet some faculty, meet some students. And then we do a few things on the first day. So the first thing we do a welcome, we give them a little what to expect. We do a session on networking. Um, what do
0: you mean networking? Because sometimes networking is a bad word.
1: Yeah. So networking to me. Okay. So, <laughs> I should change. I, I, honestly, I only use networking because we were so business focused then. But one of the biggest challenges with youth today is they are more confident and comfortable speaking to their peers about anything than they are to, to speak on themselves to someone who might be able to give them an opportunity. And I was so passionate about that because that was me. Like I could sit down and talk with you with my, as a friend. And just go all day with you but then you put me in front of a ceo i'm just like put me in front of like a, a athlete that i fell in love with, like I, so to me that's what i mean by networking like just getting comfortable the art of small talk you know roger brian shout out to him he was another professor at odette former consultant at kpmg he always taught me the other lens of of networking which is the art of small talk that being able to hold a conversation you know like this right now with you is natural and comfortable go back two years three four years ago no way like it would something that had to evolve in every year right so they did that they learned a little bit about speaking to each other the art of small talk then we actually had a professor come in and teach them how to do a case right how to analyze a case properly how to make an informed decision not just talk out of your you know um just you know making smart decisions using statistics using data to make those informed decisions then we'd introduce to them an actual leadership case, and then after the leadership case is introduced, them they actually did a workshop on presentation skills. So, for example, like how to use a uh, how to use a, a a slideshow, or how to use space around you, um, uh, how to use different types of pitch and tone. You know, like the emotion. Um, shout out to Professor Ramsey, like that was something that she loved to do, right?
0: Yeah, and there was students that also helped them present as well, right? In addition to professors.
1: Yeah. So i i was just about to get to that so we have i was blessed um that project was only successful because of the people behind it it was like i was such a i looked at myself as like you know when uh, you know when you garden and like you know how you put a seed in the soil all right so i i felt like i was that guy that just put a seed in the soil and then everyone said leave like we were taking over and it just blew up. Like I went from having five of my close friends working on this project in over a year, having over 35 MBA and undergraduate students working a part of this project.
0: Because this project wasn't just in Windsor. Like it started in, yeah, Windsor, it started in Windsor at one high school.
1: Yeah. I started in Windsor. And how
0: big did it get?
1: Um, by the time I was ready to move on, like to graduate and leave, I don't want to, I'm pretty sure we went from one school, one classroom to about 10, 11 schools, maybe 13, 14 classrooms in Windsor. Mm-hmm. We also expanded to Detroit. We had a school uh, for the gifted there that actually brought doc- Dr. Clarence Nixon, who was a professor at Odette, brought his students from Detroit to be a part of this competition. Then I was fortunate enough to bring it to Burlington, to my high school, and then actually to Toronto where I'm currently, I have to do it with my youth here. so. And it ended up it just exploding like you're talking about 35 kids to almost four or five hundred.
0: Did Oli inform what you do now? Because I know I know you had a few jobs when you got out of the university. Yeah. Um. How how did you make your way here?
1: Yeah. So, huh, So I'm here. I am sitting in. I was in corporate. So I was in corporate. No mm-hmm. need to name anywhere specific and anything, but
0: you work for the university as well, right? Yeah. I was
1: a recruiter for the university. I took a semester off. That's why I was there for 25 years, but I took a semester off. I was in university and I was a recruiter. Dopest experience of my life. Um, Seriously though, because if anything will break your fear of talking is a job where you only talk and present and talk and present. Did that, then ended up in in corporate sales uh, for commercial real estate. It just wasn't for me. Like, I love business, don't get it wrong, I could sit down with a business person and be cutthroat and all that jazz but that's not, it just wasn't me. I found out from Oli what my real passion was my whole life and listen, I, I'm a guy that started off telling people that I wanted to pump gas for a living and then after that I wanted to be a firefighter. And after that, you know, all that standard, typical, like, you know, first of all can you believe me as a firefighter, Jacob? I no. Couldn't. I would be, I, would be, I would be, sorry. Be, I honestly couldn't either, seriously. though, I watch a lot of Chicago fire. Um, I don't know if it's real or not but whatever, that's something light. So, I ended up Just falling in love working with youth because I genuinely think that yo, I could care less if I make $2 million. Okay, I just want to eat. If I can eat, sleep, pay my bills, basic bills. I'm not talking about a Gucci bag or a Lambo. No, no. Basic bills like a home to live, food to eat. My biggest goal was to bring my mom to a place where she didn't have to cook and she could eat and I'm the one that cooked and bought it. That's what drove me. So I started looking for jobs with youth and this was at when I was in commercial real estate, nine months, nine months (laughs) going back and forth. I'd go home at night crying. I'm like, yo, I'm so done. Like this isn't me. I feel like I'm not using my talent. I'm not using my passion. Like this isn't good. I end up uh, Googling youth leadership. That's it. I swear to you. All I Googled was youth leadership. All I Googled was youth leadership right and all that came up was a position here at the young street mission community capacity builder youth leadership tell me how it was due at midnight and this was like i don't know twelve thirty. 30. that's serendipity i'm telling you it's something I don't know. If that's a big word you just used, but it is something. I am serendipity. I don't even know. We just, we just, what is that? But it was
0: chance. It was, it was chance.
1: I think I know what serendipity is, Jacob. <laughs> Jeez, oh my gosh. But it was chance, something, whatever it was, something happened. Cause I was looking for nine months and I finally get something and it's due at midnight. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So now I know I'm leaving work at four 30. I'm going home. I'm going to call these people, set, fix my resume, fix my cover letter, submit it. Fortunate enough, my sister used to work at the mission. She was here about for for about five years at in the family services department. So she was able to call the hiring manager and just I guess put in a word. What does your sister do? Is she a social worker? Yes, she she's (laughs) getting her master's in social work right now at Laurentian. Shout out to her. Keep doing your thing. Um, so you can come back and open your own place. So I can be your assistant and just get full dental. Um, but she's yeah, she's her master's in social work and she worked with the families though. So I she was in the family services department as a case manager with families of our under with our caseload my department the the department i'm in here is called community development so we're all about building capacity within the people that we serve so that they're able to reverse the rules from dependent to independent and what i mean by that is it's easy for me to start a program where i present they listen but can you get them to start a program to present to other youth and listen so i ended up being here and i start i i was fortunate enough to start this project called our voice out loud um what our voice out loud is is um providing youth that safe environment to develop their leadership skills in order to tackle bullying and victimization within the region park community bullying and victimization is very loaded and it's a large word and it, i truly believe that's a global issue it's not just a region park issue i think it happens everywhere to adults youth siblings, it happened ones. to you it happened to me yeah like i and that that's a crazy thing i didn't How fascinating is it that the one thing that stopped me from being who I am is the one thing that I'm now tackling alongside these youth. So that's, that's another dope thing too, right? Like these are all these little things that are serendipity, uh, that happens, right? Like there are all these things that happen that just like, Oh my God, like, Whoa, I, I was bullied my whole life and now I'm running an anti-bullying group. I'm a part of this group. These are youth who are like 13 to about 16, 17. When I first came here, everyone's like, Oh, what? You're you're working with youth from the hood. Like you're teaching them professionalism. You're teaching them how to run their own projects. You're teaching them like they can actually function like that. Like with all the trauma they face. I'm like, absolutely.
0: I saw you do it firsthand and I don't know if you want to, you want to talk about it here. Mm. um, But I had the privilege of sitting in the back of one of your uh, lectures today and I saw you do something that I don't think I've ever seen before. Can you say what you did um, with one of
1: your uh, younger students? So, yeah, Um, one of the things that I do in our program is every month, sometimes every two weeks, I I take a youth who I feel needs to be supported, boosted, pumped up. Like, let's talk about you. Like, it's your time. And I do this, um, like, pretend talk show where I'm, like, the producer the cameraman, the commercial guy, like I'm literally pretending like I have an earpiece in my ear being like, Oh, so like, should we cut the tape now? Like, and i did it. I saw that. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's, that's, so that's what I did. And then today was something special. You know, I had this 10 year old youth in there. So I just told you, my program is 13 to about 17, but she's a sibling of one of the other youth. And um, I was like, I learned how to be the man that I am today from, from women. I didn't learn it from men. And what I mean by that is I was raised by my mother and my sister. My dad was always working, putting food on the table, but I didn't know emotionally what a man was from him. I learned it from my mom and my sister. And when I saw her for the first time, can you imagine a 10-year-old walking up to you? I swear, I have 15-year-olds that still can't do it. And I just taught them this for six months. This 10-year-old walked up to me <laughs> with confidence, Jacob. Looked at me and said, hi, my name is this, and shook my hand, a 10-year-old from the block a young girl and i looked at her and i shook her hand and i was like you're gold i wish everyone was like you and so i came in the session today before you sat down and i sat down with her and i asked her i said do you mind if i interview you in front of these kids because like i said like remember i was a kid that no one gave attention to so i just feel like it's important to give each kid their time right because then they feel like they're winning and she sat there and looked at me and, her, and she started, you know, she started to get a little bit emotional. So did I. And uh, she was like, I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to mess up. But you saw firsthand. Like, I don't. By the end of the time that she actually answered all the interview questions, she got interviewed in front of her peers. That smile that she had. That's my bonus. She killed it. She absolutely killed it. Absolutely. A 10-year-old? Come on, man. How many people I just told you 32-year-olds can't talk in public to each other. And a 10-year-old just sat there telling me that she's super nervous to present in front of people and in 10 minutes she just presented in front of 20 people. That she like half of them that she doesn't even know, right? And that so that, and that's what we do. Like we do these interview series where we just we bring one of our team members up. We we make them feel great cuz they deserve it. Mm -hmm. not just you're great no they deserve it so so two more
0: questions yeah you work with a lot of different people yeah uh school admins you work with teachers you work with parents you work with volunteers what's your favorite part of the job
1: the kids definitely the kids like (laughs) i honestly hang out with these kids more than i hang out with my friends i hang out with these kids more than i hang out with my family um I I, like if you really know me as a person and you have like you have to really like I'm not open like you have to really know me as a person. I live my life with family love. I give my my friends family love. I give family family love. I don't dictate family by blood. And these kids are more than just a youth, more than just more than just a youth. Right. These 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 guys are guys and girls Are like one of my single sources of inspiration every morning. I don't, you know, I got asked one time, who's your boss? And I said, my youth, I actually have a boss. I hope he doesn't hear this and gets mad, but I said my youth because could you imagine you're a guy growing up, you never had someone like who I am for them now, which is like a little, a big brother. Like I gotta be a sister. Sometimes a brother, a mother, a father, a youth worker a security guard. Like, "Eh, it's a lot of hats right but this isn't lids <laughs> you know like i'm not supposed to have that many ads so i'm sitting i'm sitting there now i want you to imagine this my whole life i was bullied i was a loser no one looked up to me no one talked to me no one gave me the time of day i was judged i was this i was that i was colored whatever every you could go all day on all day on it there was always something that differentiated me in a negative way from everyone but now i want you to imagine fast forward it's now three thirty. school's about to get out Right. And I'm sitting in my office and you know, those doors, like I have to paint this picture cause it's a podcast, but you know, like, you know, the doors that have those like glass, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Uh, do you know how to explain that? Like, how do you actually talk about that? Like, how would you explain that? What would you call a that? door with glass? All right. First of all, don't make it seem that easy. <laughs> so yeah. So there was a door with glass as per Jacob. And, um, can you believe this? A kid looking through the glass, wanting to see me and i don't know what to tell you man but that is the realest thing i've ever probably said because the fact that you matter the fact that the first thing these kids want to do after school is come see you they were just in prison for eight hours in school doing things they don't want to do they don't even go home to their parents they don't go home to their siblings they don't even want to chill with their friends on the block. They want to be here. They want to hang. Yeah, they're my single source. I've, I get to be a 15-year-old with them. I get to be an adult with them. I will always have their back. I will always fight for these kids because I invest in them. And I invest beyond my job description. Mm-hmm. Because to me, authentic, you want to build leaders, you have to give each other authentic love
0: volunteerism in the youth seems incredibly important to you. Yep. Uh, You've said so here. You've said so otherwise. I don't know how many times I hear you either texting or posting, the youth, the youth. How would you encourage others to give back, especially to those that are younger than them?
1: So, straight up, I think we try to give back financially. Financially, um, a lot and i urge whoever's listening and beyond it's not just about money especially with kids from what people like to call it the hood but i call it inner city these kids are confined to four walls they go to school they come back home they have to either be a gangster or they got to be a smart straight a student there is no middle so how i encourage you to get involved is don't just do it by going giving a check to someone and claiming a, a tax receipt actually get up and go and be a part of it be a big brother be a big sister invest an hour to two hours of your life you know what i mean like that's something i realized is as an adult we actually have a lot of time we just pretend like we're all busy and i'm sorry sitting down at home and texting all day and netflixing and chilling isn't actually anything valuable. You can do that when you need to, but not like every five minutes, right? Bodies, not dollars. Yeah, man, bodies. Get involved. Go find a place. They're begging for them. Go find a place. Go into a... You have two hours to kill? Go into a shelter. I guarantee you someone's going to put you to good use. And that two hours will be worthwhile. Maybe not for you, but it will be post See, like I said, everyone is so focused on that materialistic thing. And that was the hardest part of this job for me was here I am helping these kids. All I hear is trauma, 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 trauma. But I might not actually see when they become successful. But I will eventually. You see what I'm saying? So when you want to get people, you want to be involved. Um, It's not about dollars. It's about taking your common sense, taking your knowledge, taking your network. Like sit down with people. Like go and pour into them. Like you... Uh, Go to an agency, ask them about their employment programs if that's what you're excited about. Tell them you work with seniors. What's your passion? You find out what your passion is, and I guarantee you there is someone out there that's underprivileged that has the same passion as you that they would love to learn from you. You just have to take the time to do it. And it's not doing it all the time. It's just putting in the effort to do it in moments because I promise, I promise, I promise. I could buy a Lambo right now and just whip around the block and be the coolest person in a Lamborghini. But when you are actually the guy that sits beside a kid who could have ended up in prison, could have ended up shot or killed, that's the reality, could have ended up losing a friend and you just watch this kid go to uni and you just watch this kid become an adult and and get a job, yeah, that, that means more. So my only tip is get up, find out your passion, because that's important. You will never properly invest in others if you're not passionate about it. So like, for example, I never volunteered at a library. I don't read books. I read like picture books, which is funny because they're all pictures. But don't just volunteer. Like I tell these kids all the time, I am so sick of youth volunteering for no reason. Fod, I want to go volunteer at a pet clinic. Do you like pets? No. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I got to get my 40 hours. No, volunteer with purpose. That's all I have to say to that. You want to volunteer, I encourage you to stop throwing money at people and throw your time because your time will do a heck of a lot more than 50 bucks. One second thing, find out what you're passionate about because if you're passionate about something, you're gold. Mm-hmm. Like People will see that right away. And the only reason why I'm successful not monetary wise, but with the youth is because I read this painting. It said like real eyes, real lies, real, what is it? Real lies. What is it? Real eyes, real lies, real lies. Isn't that crazy? It sounds weird, but it's the truth. People will buy into you. People will see if you're fake or not, and they will call you out on it, especially 15 year old youth. So that would be it. I would say, get up, find your passion, and you would not believe what difference it will make. And just do it. And just do it. Yeah. Like we'd say everything like, what else can i say like i we we wake up go to work we just do it right we wake up we go to the gym we just do it we wake up we go party we just do it like how is it that we don't want to take time for other people and we got to stop looking at it as they're lower than us and we're helping them because they don't have what we have no don't help these people because They don't have what you have. Help these people because they could have a hell of a lot more than you if you just pour into them. Do you have anything else that you want to say, Fod? I leave you guys with one thing. Um, Turn your ruins or wounds, whatever word you want to use. I heard this in a song. Turn your wounds into wisdom. And I, I didn't realize this until I hit 26. So real. And you did it yeah absolutely like that's exactly what i did and that's why that line means so much to me because i'm telling you right now every day was a wound and now sitting down with these youth even for 15 minutes if i share a story with them i'm like oh my god i sound like this old man with wisdom And it's like i'm thankful for that and thank you for everyone listening and please like find out what your passion is and 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 reach your goals because i don't make a lot of money i don't have flashy things but i have i have a I'm so blessed and i'm fortunate and i and i thank you jacob for this opportunity and um yeah go out there find your passion and achieve your goals
0: and that's our show a big thank you to fod Carimian. he is the community capacity builder youth leadership at the young street mission in toronto if you want to follow his work he's got two instagram accounts the first is ohli.windsor on instagram W-I-N-D-S-O-R. That's for the Odette High School Leadership Initiative. The second is o.v.o.l on Instagram. Our Voice Out Loud, the program that FOD runs now. The two tracks that you heard in the episode today are Highway 26 by Foxheart Fishman and How Deep is Down by Baby God. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do so at Jacob McCourt. And to find all of the episodes of No Coaster Needed, you can go to nocoasterneeded.com or your favorite podcasting service. Thanks for listening.